Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Two goldfish are in a tank. Two goldfish in a tank. One looks over at the other and says, do you know how to drive or fire this thing? Two soldiers are in a tank. One looks over at the other and says, (laughs) those are two good jokes to start your year. All right. Uh, We're going to be looking at the prayer of Jabez for the next uh, three weeks. We're going to break it down into three parts. Bless me be with me, and keep me. So those are the three parts today. We're going to look at bless me. And uh, I want to encourage you to sign up for these prayer times. They're going to follow along those general themes. And I want to encourage you to to text bless to that number that you'll see on the screen yet again over and over. Be a part of this for 21 days with us. Join us in prayer. And uh, I am a firm believer that we should be a people of prayer. And I'm also a firm believer that one of the reasons we get discouraged in prayer is we have inappropriate concepts and ideas about what ought to happen in our prayers and what ought to happen in our world. So that starts from inappropriate views. Now, believe it or not, I've been married 33 years to the same woman. And there... That's for you, Robin. I know she's watching. She's at home. A lot of COVID going around. She's not, she's not sick, but you know, you know how it is. You run into somebody, you don't want to infect others, right? So she was around him, I wasn't, so I'm here. All right, that being said, be careful this year, please. Could you just be careful? Be wise, all right? All right, so all that being said, here we are starting the new year. Starting the new year, I want to talk about one of the perceptions we have that are wrong that hinders our prayers. So I made a mistake the other day. I actually watched a movie that it was horrible. It was a horrible movie. And if you've ever watched it, you can agree with me. It is a horrible movie. It's Batman versus Superman. Or Superman. Did anybody watch that movie? Yeah. My daughter complained the entire time. DC graphics are so bad. Well, the graphics were bad, but the storyline was bad. And the delivery of it was bad. But I watched it. And there was a point in it that Lex Luthor, anybody know who Lex Luthor is, right? You know, Superman and Lex Luthor, like the ultimate enemies. In this story, they were painting that one was God and the other was Satan. Okay? And, and Lex Luthor, in the, the view of Satan, says, and, and here's a quote from him, if you can put that up there. If, and this was supposed to be a picture of Lex Luthor, but it, it's a little too dark like the whole movie, (laughs) just a little too dark. Anyway, it says this, if God is all loving, then he cannot be all powerful. And if he's all powerful, then he cannot be all loving. Has anybody heard this, this argument against God other than me? Anybody ever heard this one? God, if you loved me, you would take this painful situation. I'm away. I'm in. You'd take it away. Anybody ever prayed a prayer like that? God, if you love me, you would do this. 
God, if you love me, you would heal my grandma. God, if you love me, you would help me pass this test or whatever it is. Anybody ever play that? And then, and then God, because God didn't give you the answer you asked, you say, well, either God isn't loving, he doesn't love me and he doesn't care, or he's not powerful enough to do anything about it. So therefore, God cannot be all loving and all powerful, or he would answer my prayers the way I say. Has anybody heard this argument? Anybody ever wrestled with this in you? Well, I, re I heard him say this in the movie, and, and they were making a statement about God because, believe it or not, the things in our culture are not satisfied just to entertain you. They're trying to brainwash you. It, it's what's going on, and we need to be vigilant and careful and make sure we think about this stuff rather than just let it ooze out of us or flow around us. So I'm watching this movie. I, read, I hear this comment, and I'm like, that's like saying a diamond only has two facets. That's like reducing God to either one or the other and painting him in a corner by saying he's either one or the other while, while not admitting that God has many other facets to him. That there are other parts of his nature and his character that maybe in this situation may play into this prayer I'm playing, praying or this situation I'm in. For example, God's omniscience. If God knows that what you're asking for now is not in your best interest or in the best interest of other people for years to come, he may have the power to grant what you're asking and he may love you and want to give it to you, but his love demands that he doesn't deliver it because then it would be detrimental to you and to everyone around you. So therefore, if God knows that answering your prayer now will bring you greater pain later, his most loving response is to not give you what you ask now. He may have the power to do it. He may love you and want to do it, but he understands that his love, it's like, it's like I got a, a, a two-month-old granddaughter, right? Yeah, got a two-month-old granddaughter? She may, she, may want, she may want to drive now, but it wouldn't be very loving for me to give her the car keys. Let her go sit in the car seat by herself, you know, right? It's not very loving because she's not ready for it and it would bring, well, she's not even old enough to bring pain. She would just lay there and look at it, right? But there are some six-year-olds that, man, I want, or two-year-olds, I want, or 40-year-olds, I want, or 60-year-olds, I want. And God's saying, but this isn't in your best interest. So, so remember, God is all-powerful, God is all-loving, but he is also omniscient. He knows all things. Now, the reason I bring that up is because even, even there was a great theologian that wrote a country song. <laughs> I thank God for unanswered prayer. Yeah, yeah, you don't really want to marry that girl you thought you were supposed to marry. If you did, your life would be miserable. I really didn't want to go to the University of Oklahoma and become a lawyer because I would have been a very rich and very miserable person. Right? I know me. I agree with that one. All right. So for the next 21 days, what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to pray. And I'm asking you to pray a prayer for blessing. That God will work out all things for his purposes with his will and his power. I'm also reading a book now called Is Atheism Dead? 
Now, I thought this book would be saying one thing, but it winds up, it winds up, it's, I'm about 200 pages into it, and it's saying all the things differently than I thought the book to combat atheism would say. And some of it's very disturbing to me, and I won't get into that. Maybe I'll get into some of this later. But, but when talking about is atheism dead, one of the things they're the guy's dealing with is how God has been intricate in his details in the creation and sustaining of life on this planet. And even the famous atheists like Hitchens and Sagan and all those guys will say that the detail uh, of, of fine-tuning for life on earth is the one thing that is the strongest argument for God because, you know, anyway... Um, let me just put it this way. One of the examples is water, and there are a couple hundred pages of this, but one of them is water. Do you know that water, like most liquids, becomes more dense as it gets cold, right? So liquids become more dense as they get cold. Water is one of those things. As it gets cold, it gets more dense, and the more dense it is, the more it goes to the bottom. But there's something weird about water that's totally against everything that that the properties and the design of water shouldn't do this, but yet it does this because at 32 degrees, all of a sudden, the principle reverses and water no longer becomes dense and now it becomes incredibly light and it becomes buoyant, known as ice, right? Ice does what? It doesn't sink to the bottom at what? That's against the laws of nature, but God designed it so this one thing would be against the laws of nature to accomplish what God wants it to. Because if water froze from the bottom up, everything in every farm pond around the world would be dead. There would be no more fish there. in winter. Everything would die. But you know what happens? When it gets cold enough to freeze, God designed it miraculously so that water would then freeze, pop to the top, create a protective layer to keep everything underneath the ice alive. And if that one thing didn't happen, there would be no life on earth. And God designed something against the design of designs back at the beginning to keep life here. Do you know if the sun were like three degrees closer, or the earth were three degrees closer to the sun, we'd fry. And if we're three degrees farther away, we would freeze to death. And you know that the moon, if the moon wasn't the size it is, and forget the story of how we got the moon, I'm not even sure. I got to do more research on that. But the, oh, I'm like, seriously, God, you did this? Anyway, uh, if the moon wasn't there, there wouldn't be tides. And if the moon wasn't a quarter the size of Earth, which is the biggest size of any known planet's moon size, Nobody else has a moon this size. We have a moon this size, and it's big enough to keep Earth stable in outer space, floating at the right angle with the tides to keep the waters from becoming sedentary and alive. And God designed every detail of this so we could live. And as I'm reading this book, I'm thinking about the, the, all the, the detail that goes into creating the scenarios that allow you and I to be alive. And I ask myself a question, did God ever do anything like that in the Bible? Is there any kind of reference of that? You know, I don't know. I was just wondering if there was a guy named Joseph that got taken off into Egypt and spent 21 years there as a prisoner. So eventually the, the family could come, family of Abraham through Jacob could come and be in Egypt and then be slaves there and then there'd be the Red Sea parting and they would go and spend 40 years in the wilderness so that they could then move into their, their, uh, uh, their land and become a nation and all of these, every step along the way there would be prophecies about how this Savior and Messiah would come and then they're there and they go through kings and temples and build down and tear down and up down and blah 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 and then eventually the Romans come and control and they create the Pax Romana which is this world of peace and road system so that Paul 
could spread the message of Jesus around the world. And then, finally, God takes like this baby and, and his mom and dad have to go like, like 60 miles across nowhere because the Roman world decided to tax everybody so that they would go 60 miles so he would be burned, born, born where it was prophesied hundreds of years. Are, are you following me here? I wonder if God has been working for thousands of years to create things and paths of salvation and blessing. So when I'm thinking about prayer and I'm thinking about how I pray and, I, and what I expect, yes, God is all loving, God is all powerful, but God also knows everything from the beginning of time. And I believe God knows the prayers you're going to pray today and he's been working for thousands of years to make the answer right today. And a lot of us, we just pray prayers without even thinking about it. But what I want us to do is, I want us to focus on this prayer of Jabez for 21 days. It starts to bless me. Then it goes to be with me, God be with me. And then it ends with, let me be kept from doing harm or keep me from doing harm. But there are two key facts about Jabez that help us understand this prayer. And, and you need to know these two key things. And we're going to start there before we begin today. If you got your Bibles, it should be in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10, right? should be there. So let's go to verse 9, though, and let's look at a statement that's made. Jabez was more honorable than his brother. So the first thing we know about Jabez's prayers... And, and we can imply something from it for our prayers is, is that Jabez was honorable, therefore his prayer was heard. And if you're, if you're not an honorable person, according to the scriptures, God doesn't necessarily listen to your prayers. The key to getting your prayers heard is being honorable. So we, we have to say this, what is honorable? Honorable is somebody that does the right thing even when it hurts them. And Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Why do you think Jabez's prayer got heard? Because he was more honorable. Because God knew he could trust him with the answers. <laughs> if God gave you everything you asked him for, would you just screw it up? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not allowed to say things that way. I'll say it again. If God gave you everything you're asking for, would you just screw it up if he gave it to you? If you're not honorable, you will. And we know this, Proverbs 8 28 9. Let's see if this is a philosophy and a principle of scripture. Proverbs 28 9 says, If anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, speaking of the Holy Spirit's instruction, even their prayers are detestable. <laughs> so God's not listening because your prayers are detestable because you're not listening to Him. How about Zechariah 7 13? When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen. Come on, guys. Are, are, are you awake? You here? You want your prayers to get answered? You got to listen to God. How about one more? Isaiah 59 too. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. If you don't get a life right with God, you don't make yourself right with God. I don't care how much you pray. He's not listening. And that would explain why some of your prayers aren't answered. Because the only prayer that God will listen to from the sinner is Father, forgive me. A prayer of repentance, he will immediately listen to and respond to. So if, if, you're, if you're not in right relationship with God, why should you think your prayers have been answered? Come on, if, if you're not a member of the club, why should you, come on, anybody try to buy anything from Costco? I mean, they're like, they're like a prison system. Like, you do not get past the guards without your card, right? Right? You want to buy something from Costco, you have to be a member. 
right? If you want to get something from God, you have to do what he says. All right. We believe it everywhere else. Just God's not like that. Really? That's another facet of God that he's just. But don't talk about that. Second thing is Jabez was born into pain. Now, I thought I had prepared a slide for this. I did not. But if you're reading your Bible in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, it says, His mother named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. So Jabez was not only honorable, Jabez was born in pain. As a matter of fact, his name Jabez means pain. Not P-A-Y-N-E like some people I know, but P-A-I-N. His name means pain. So can you hear him in school? Teacher standing up, Johnny, here, Susie, here, Eddie, here, Payne, here. <laughs> his name was Payne. That's what his main name literally means. So what is the cause of this pain? The, the context gives some hints, but I, I want to ask some questions. The, the hints are not necessarily that it was a physical pain. It could have been a physical pain. But the, the context give a hint that maybe it was a, a circumstantial pain. Maybe it was a devastating issue. Maybe it was that his mom was raped and had a baby. Or maybe she was in an unloved marriage. Uh, how about maybe it was a family breakup or the death of a father. Or maybe a sickness or complications at birth. Maybe it was a financial situation, a drought, a famine, a fire, bandits. No matter what it was, there was some pain in this situation. And I want you to hear one thing, all right? Jabez didn't let his pain keep him from seeking God. It says in 1 Chronicles 10, 4, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. If you are a person that you have pain, do not let your pain keep you from seeking God. Let your pain be the motivator and the propellant to get you to seek God. So what's hindering you from crawling out to, crying out to God? What's hindering you? Is it your false views about God? God's all loving, can't be all kind. If God's all kind, you can't be all uh, powerful or whatever. Whatever your Whatever your Lex Luthor argument is in your brain. Because you got one. Would you do me a favor? Would you do yourself a favor? Would you do the world a favor? And those who love you, would you turn off the Lex Luthor argument and just open up your heart to God? How about this? How about you take 21 days of prayer and fasting and you pray with me for Blessing. Blessing. So, we're going to talk about blessing now. So, would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word? And we're going to pray this prayer together. It's uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. Can you read with me the parentheses there? Or, I mean, the part in quotations, that last sentence. We'll come back to that in a minute, all right? All right, everybody together. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. Now, here's a great prayer for you for 21 days. Great prayer. I've been on my knees praying this every morning for a couple, about a week or so now, and I'm going to invite you to pray it with me, all right? Would you, would you pray it with me? Can we pray it one more time just to acquaint yourself with it? All right, here we go. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm 
so that I will be free from pain. And love the last part of that. And God did what? God granted his request. Father, we pray right now that you would bless, that you would bring life into this space, and that this prayer for blessing would come alive to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Would you turn to somebody close to you and say, you are blessed for getting seated next to me today. That's your blessing. Hey, you're blessed to be online with us today. Thanks for joining. All right. So Jabez sought a blessing. So his first prayer was, oh, that you would bless me. And, and the word indeed, we'll come back to that in a second, but you would bless me. Now, I was raised in the South. And when I was in the South, the word bless, well, they, they used to say stuff like bless your heart, right? You know what that means, though. You know what bless your heart means? You're walking down the road, you trip on a crack and you fall down and somebody says, oh, bless your heart. Yeah, it means you're stupid. <laughs> oh, you've wrecked three cars in the last six months. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> you know, we could go on and on, you know. Bless your heart. But that has one meaning in one culture. How about this one? How about the person wearing the shirt? Blessed is the one word across the front. Where their hoochie mama biscuits popping out underneath that crop top shirt, hoochie mama pants, blessed. What does that mean? Am I allowed to say things like that? Come on. I, 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 I've been to Walmart, people. <laughs> I live in this culture, all right? I know. I've been there. I, I'm like, I, I see this shirt, and I'm like, I, I, I'm not sure you really know what that means. Anyway, how about, <clears throat> so I, I went to the dictionary to look it up. What's dictionary? The bestowal of divine favor. Yeah, whatever that means. So I thought I would just give you what our understanding of blessed means. Good things happening to me. You know what? I, I, I think we could agree with that one, right? We think blessed is good things happening to me. So can I tell you what Jabez really prayed? And I believe that's pretty good across the... Blessed means good things, right? Happy, fortuitous, Wonderful. So um, the actual text, the reason I put in parentheses indeed is I did a little research on the text. In 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10, in the Young's literal translation, it says, If blessing, thou dost bless me. And I still am not sure what it means. But he prayed a prayer, Oh, that you would bless me. So I did my Greek and my Hebrew, you know, the Greek, the Septuagint, the LXX version. I, I did my work with the Hebrew, and then I did the Young's tr literal translation, all these things. And then I did some reading on it, and this is what I came up with. Y'all ready for this? Literal. Hey, God, if you're blessing, bless me! Actually, the double emphasis is, is translated everywhere else in the, in the Old Testament with emphasis on the word. So the word is there twice, and the double emphasis means that he's, what he's asking for is for a lot of blessing on me. I'll give you a perfect example of this, all right? So if you don't know my wife really well, my wife is cheaper than I am, <laughs> unless it comes to Christmas, but we're, we're in counseling for that. <laughs> all right, so my wife is cheaper than I am, and, and if it's free, my wife wants it, right? 
Anybody in the room you like that? And it was, a, it was an Indian, it was a, I'm sorry, a Cavaliers game. We got, in, we got tickets, somebody gave us tickets to a Cavaliers game years ago. We took the kids with us. We go to this Cavaliers game. Now, the tickets were really good, better than I could ever afford, so we're like really there, and it's so exciting. And then at halftime, do you know that, uh, what's the mascot, you know, with the tail comes running out, whatever, what? Moondog, Moondog. yeah, Moondog comes out, him and his dancers, and they're doing flips and stuff, and then they broke out the t-shirt bins, and they started throwing t-shirts, and and Moondog then pulls out the the launcher, you know, they've got the the other guys firing the t-shirt gun, but he pulls out the launcher and uh do y'all know what i'm talking about does anybody know does anybody know anything i'm talking about so what they want you to do is they want you to yell and then they'll shoot a t-shirt your way the t-shirts worth maybe two dollars and a quarter but they want you to yell so moon dogs like firing them and, and my wife and the kids are losing their ever-loving mind for a two dollar and 25 cent t-shirt <laughs> You got a t-shirt, give it to me! I mean, they're yelling, screaming, jumping. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? What they're saying is, if you're blessing, bless me. If you got something, I want it. Well, not only did they get one, I think they wound up stealing, I mean, uh, pushing down an old, I mean, I, I'm not sure how it happened, but we wound up with two t-shirts, so. <laughs> Why? Because... If you go after it, you have a better chance of getting it. So what Jabez is doing is Jabez is saying, hey, God, if you got some right here, me, oh, that you would bless me. Indeed, I want it. I want it. I want your blessing. So what is blessing? Yeah. I I thought I would do something really crazy. I thought I'd go to the Bible to define what the Bible means about blessing. I know this is crazy, but Jesus actually talked about what a blessed life looks like. Did you know that? He did. It's in Matthew chapter five. So I'm going to let Jesus define what a blessed life looks like. So what does it mean to be blessed? Well, let's go to Matthew chapter five, verse two. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Because of me, not because you're stupid. I, I was told by Pastor Caleb last week I wasn't allowed to use the word stupid because we don't want our kids to know it. But you're adult enough, I can tell you this. Sometimes you lose the blessings in life because you're stupid. And, and come on, I've been there, you've been there. But you don't pick some fights. You're never going to win them, Right? There are some things that, well, we'll get to this. So let's back up and let's notice that the persecution doesn't come because of your political party, but because, oh, come on, don't get me started. I'm on the North Ridgeville Facebook page, and I'm going to tell you, I wish I could take about a dozen people on there and just slap some sense into them. (laughs) 
And there's only about a dozen, the rest of them, six on each side. And all they ever do is yell. And we got a whole community that wants to live in peace, but we got six people on both sides of the issue being stupid. And I wonder how much of this, those people would say, I'm persecuted because of my belief. No, you're persecuted because you're a jerk. So let's not do this, Christians. Let's not think that we're being persecuted for Christ-likeness if the stands we're taking aren't the love and mercy and kindness and goodness and compassion and grace of the Christ that we serve. Just thought I'd drop that for you today. So what does it mean to be blessed? Let's look at the words Jesus used. Let's go back to the beginning. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, in Luke chapter 6, verse 20, which is the other passage where Jesus gives the Beatitudes in Luke, it just says simply, blessed are the poor. The poor, the poor in spirit. No matter how you say it, that doesn't sound like blessed on the t-shirt. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It's more than just a financial state, but an understanding of need. I think one of the biggest issues we have in our culture is that we're so comfortable with what we have, we don't recognize that we need things. Now, you may not need more money or more food. You might have more than enough of that, but you do need mercy, and you do need love, and you do need companionship, and you need self-worth, and you need identity, and you need things like that. But in our culture, it's not okay to think you need those because culture says you're just an animal and it doesn't matter. But Jesus says what you really are lacking in this world are the very things that will prop up your identity and your core for a lifetime. And when you become poor in spirits, when you realize that the reason I act out in this behavior the way I do is my spirit isn't right with God, and I have a need for more than what I've got. Come on, are y'all following me? One of the wisest things you can do is actually admit what you're lacking. And if you realize you're poor in your identity and your view of yourself, or you're poor in your understanding of how to treat others, or you're poor in your understanding of the grace and the power and the mercy and the omniscience of God, if you're poor in those ways, you're just poor. I don't care how much food you got on the table. I don't care how many nice clothes you wear. You're poor. And notice that it's the people that recognize that need that they're the ones that get the kingdom of heaven. All right, next, blessed are those who mourn. Mourning doesn't sound like blessed, you know? That's not going to be a good bumper sticker, you know? <laughs> a blessed on the hearse. <laughs> it just doesn't make a lot of sense, right? So, blessed. But, but what you do when you mourn is, John Stott said about this passage, the, the, I love John Stott, he said, it's one thing to be spiritual poor and acknowledge it, it's another to green and grieve and mourn over it. See, when you realize how much your lack is influencing you and others, and you begin to mourn about the pain that's being caused to you and to others through your poverty of identity and your poverty of understanding of the grace of God and your poverty of your grace like character like his and your poverty of power in the Holy Spirit when you begin to mourn over your poverty of those things then it says you will do what you will get comfort 
Just smiling and pretending everything's okay is not the way to go sometimes. So mourning is when we recognize how far we are from God's best and we grieve over it. And then the next one's meek. Blessed are the meek. The meek. And the Greek word here is a Greek word that is best defined by um, that, like Kentucky Derby. Anybody ever watched the Kentucky Derby? And they take these horses, and evidently there's always one of them. He's like fighting, they can't do it, and they got to walk him around a couple of times and bring him back and put him in the, the starting gate. Anybody see that? Anybody ever see that? Now, that horse is raring to run and to go. And, and, and when he's in that starting gate, what are they doing? That, that horse is under control, waiting for the moment of explosion. And that is the Greek word used in antiquity for what meekness is. It's not a lack of power, it's controlled power. So blessed are the meek are those who keep their power under control until the right time to use it. And those are the people that will inherit the earth. How about this? Hungry and thirsty. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, as I was, I was preparing this, I was thinking about how in America, we really don't have a hunger crisis. Um, if you're a hungry person or you're raising your kids hunger, hungry, it, it's because you are making decisions to keep them from the provision that is already there. In America, we have social systems, we have the second harvest, we've got harvest hands here that gives food. We really do not have a hunger place. There are kids in America that are hungry, but it's not because food is not available, it's because the adults in their life are acting like idiots and not living out what they should. All right? But I have been places in the world where it, hunger is real. Where people, where mothers literally have no food available to them. So they feed their kids mud pies before they put them to bed at night so they won't cry all night with an empty stomach. And I have literally seen kids and interacted with kids like this who are starving to death, eating mud to give them something in their belly. Hunger is not nice. And you and I, we don't experience hunger. We don't experience thirst. We've got water readily available to us, but I've been places in the world where water is not available and you cannot drink unless there is a, a provision to walk five miles to... Come on. So because we don't know what hunger and thirst is, we think that it's an inconvenience rather than a life-giving issue. And the Bible says that we should be people that are in a life-giving, destitute nation and place where we call out for the righteousness of God and hunger and thirst for it. And that's why I'm challenging you to 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, I'm all for abstinence. I believe there are some of you, you should abstain from social media for 21 days, and that should be something you do. But that is abstain, that's not fast. There's a difference between fasting and abstaining. Abstaining is, you know, I don't go here, I don't do that, I don't look at this, that's abstaining. What fasting is, is literally something you put in your mouth, you don't put it in your mouth anymore. And what I would like you to do is, yes, some of you do need to abstain. Yes, I agree with you for your social media fast. That would be cleansing to your soul, and it is a right thing to do. And trust me, it will give you more life than you know. And I'm encouraging you to do that. But I'm also encouraging you to do something else. 
literally don't eat. Maybe you can't not eat for 21 days, but you can stop eating something you like. (laughs) Or you can give up a meal. Why? Well, one day, me and my dad and my my mom and my brother, we were in in the car, and we'd been driving down the road for a bit, and we came to some kind of stop, and all of a sudden, my dad goes, oh, nah! And we're like, Dad, are you okay? Dad, are you okay? He said, yeah, I just had a hunger pain. Now you know where I get my sense of humor. But you know, you know, we laughed about it. It was funny, but you know what? That moment rests in my mind very strongly because I had never thought about hunger, pain, until that moment. And I've learned something about fasting. If you want to fast and pray right, this is the way to do it, all right? Do without food that you're used to or food that you maybe even need. And when, when you get the pain or the urge, pray. God, I want your blessing more than I want to please my body. And I encourage you to do that for 21 days with me. Come on. So, our real hunger, though, is for the righteousness and blessing of God not for our bodies to be filled. All right, the blessed are the merciful. The merciful. You know, you don't need mercy (laughs) unless somebody's done you wrong. You don't need to be a merciful person unless somebody's done you wrong, right? Blessed are the merciful. So blessed are you when you've been done wrong. So then you can show mercy. Because in that moment, you're acting like God because God is a God of mercy. In James 2.13, it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. You want to be a person that wins? Show mercy. Blessed are merciful. How about this one? Blessed are the pure in heart. I wish there was a way I could talk to you effectively about this one blessing. Blessed are the pure in heart. Notice the outcome. I want to talk about the outcome before we go back to what it means. What is the outcome? They will what? See God. Anybody in the room you ever feel like God's a thousand miles away from you? you? Ever feel like you can't put your hands around what all that's going on and why it's going on? Anybody ever feel that way? Anybody ever feel that way? If you've ever felt that way, the problem is that your heart isn't pure. There is a, there's a correlation here between purity of heart for God's purposes and revelation of the nature and power and purpose and person of God in your life. There's a one-to-one correlation. Purity of heart equals vision of God. And if at any moment you're not seeing the vision of God and the understanding of God you want, I would go back and check whether or not your heart's pure. Extra 30 seconds. Craig Rogers, y'all know him? He's a guy I've had here numerous times. He's a buddy of mine in college. Um, I was, I was complaining to him one day. I, I can still tell you where we were. We were on Great Northern Road. We were heading to lunch. And we were at the stoplight. And I was complaining about, you know, how I felt like God was distant. I wouldn't get the answers I wanted. And he said, a wicked and a perverse generation asked for a sign. He looked at me and said, well, he's not look over at him because he's in this seat. He looks at me and says, Kevin, your wickedness and your perversion are keeping you from God's best. That's the kind of friends you need in your life. He was right. We had a prayer meeting. <laughs> then we had lunch. 
Your wickedness and your perversion are keeping you from God's best. Pure in heart will see God. That was from somebody. It was for somebody. You need to hear it. Deal ruthlessly with your sin. Anyway, where are we at? Um, peacemakers. Well, there has to be a conflict for there to be a peacemaker, right? So blessed are you when you're in conflict that needs your peacemaking abilities. Because you're going to be called children of God. How about this one? Blessed are you when you're, can you go to the next slide? Blessed are when you uh, persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Wow, how many of you have that on your t-shirt, blessed? I'm blessed because people persecute me, insult me, and mistreat me. But yet, I want you to see what the outcome of that is. What is the outcome? Matthew chapter 5, verse 12 says this. It says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward. Where? In heaven. There is a blessing that's coming. Can I tell you the lesson I learned from this? When I was thinking about what blessed means, can we... Can we just go back real quick? Can we go back to the argument of Lex Luthor real quick? Can you take me all the way back to his argument? It's, if God is all-loving, then he cannot be all-powerful. If God's all-powerful, then he can't be all-loving, or else he would do what I tell him to do. And what did I say the answer was? Let's look at another part of God's nature, that God's working out these details to create your best. And it's this, if God knows that answering your prayer now will bring you greater pain later than his most loving response is to not give you what you ask for. Everybody say this word. The thing I see in the Beatitudes, in Jesus' definition of what a blessed life is, the thing I see as I read about Jabez, who was born in pain and asked for God to deliver him from pain and to bless him so that he would bring no harm to other people. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But all of this teaches me one thing. It's what I learned 33 years ago. Well, it'd be 34 years ago. I did some premarital counseling. We were at Central Bible College. Me and Robin were going to get married. We go into the counselor, and the counselor says this. He says, and, and I can quote it word for word. He said, the difference between the haves and the have-nots, between those who have and those who do not have, is the delayed gratification of need. You know what he was saying, right? He was saying that if you go spend everything and put it on credit cards now, you're going to be poor when you get old. Therefore, we have Financial Peace University. Sign up in the lobby following the service. Come on. This, he, he's saying this, that if you, if you spend all your relational equity now, getting buzzes for you by having sex with multiple people, you will not be able to have a healthy relationship later on. He's saying that the delayed gratification of need gives you blessing in the future. You sacrifice the now for the sake of the future. And every single beatitude I just read to you says that the blessed life is giving up your pleasure now for the sake of an outcome later. So blessed life is not me being all perfect now, my world being perfect now. It is me learning in the process now so that I can have outcomes later that don't just bless me but bless everybody in my world. 
Without this, you can't support God's blessing. Think about this. If God were to give you everything you asked for, and you won the lottery and those millions of dollars, how miserable would your life be because you don't have any systems to deal with that kind of money or any understanding of what to do with it and you're going to be like everybody else that wins the lottery and they're going to be broke and divorced and their world trashed because you couldn't handle it. So what you need to do is you need to learn how to discipline your world now and to sacrifice now and to get your motives pure now so that when God does open up and enlarge your territory, like the prayer of Jabez says, you have the skill and the disciplines and the power within you to be able to bless others with your blessings rather than self-destructing because of your blessings. Yes, I want God to bless you. And the way I want him to bless you is for you to become strong enough to deal with it right now so that you can be strong enough to bless others with it later. Amen. Come on up, man. So I, I hope you got that. Because the whole thing is the blessed life is not living without any pain. The blessed life is using your pain to make you strong enough to bless others later. Right, right, amen. Alright. So what did God do? First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. God granted his request. Do you know God wants to give you more than you can handle, more blessing? It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, and God is able to bless you parisio, which is abundance, overflowing, more than you can handle. Come on, I know I'm being dramatic, but let me be dramatic because you think God wants to give you a blessing. If God answered every one of your prayers this week, your blessing would be about this big. And you know what God wants to do? He doesn't want to bless you this big. He wants to enlarge your territory when he blesses you so that your blessing would be this big. You, you think too small. And you know how I know? If, you, if God answered every one of your prayers, who would be blessed because of, because of you? Who would be blessed outside of you? Whose life would be dramatically changed other than people within your same five core group of people? Nobody. When was the last time you prayed for the governments of this world that oppress the gospel to fall and to bow their knees to Jesus and to open up to gospel missionaries who want to go into that country? When was the last time you prayed against the lies that are keeping people's eyes blinded in this culture? When was the last time you prayed for somebody you've never met, you don't know, and you would pray and intercede for their salvation? Duh. We don't do that. You know why we don't do that? Because when we pray, we approach God with a bless me mentality. And you know what God wants to do? He wants to give you abundant blessing. Here's a key for you. This will help. Next time you, and I know I'm going long. I don't care right now. I, I just don't care. The next time you go to pray, why don't you do this? Why don't you say, God, why don't you tell me what to pray for today? And then only pray what he tells you to pray for. 
Will that be? Well, what comes to your mind? And if you run short, why don't you pray? Okay, God, what do you want? What if you start thinking about, you know, how Hollywood is destroying people's minds through quotes like that? Well, then what should you do? You start praying that Hollywood's power would be lost and that God would raise up people that would do the right things and say, come on, are, are, can, can y'all follow me here for a second? God wants to bless you. And that's your cup. Bless me. But what if God wants to bless you and enlarge your territories so that your blessing resembles more like Erie? thinking too small you got blessing bless me bless me hey hey right you got communion if you don't have it yell at somebody they'll give you a communion element grab one I believe they got a gluten free option Pastor Jesse's got it around we're going to celebrate together so can we go back to the beginning if you're praying for God to bless you and you're not submitted to his lordship, he's saying, do you say something? Do you say something? I can't hear you. Your sin's in the way. Are you talking to me? Your sin's in the way. There's this barrier between us. I can't hear you. It's like my wife mumbling behind the bathroom door. I'm like, you saying something, honey? I can't hear you. What do you have to do? You have to open the door and talk to each other. And if sin is in your way, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you just to pray this prayer in your heart. God, I have sinned. Please forgive me. I believe in you. I turn my heart to you right now. And if you prayed that prayer and you believed it, God opened the door and he's now willing to hear what you want to talk to him about, what he wants to talk to you about. All right? You pray that prayer? Come talk to me after service. I want to celebrate with you and I want to pray with you. Let's nail this thing down. You got your bread? I was reading the other day about how Jesus, when he took the bread, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. And Jesus, who for the joy set before him, scorned the cross and its shame for joy. Jesus was blessed when he gave his life. He was blessed. Do you think it felt good to him? No. But are we blessed because of it? Absolutely. Jesus, thank you for being blessed for us so that we can be blessed in you. Help us now as we eat this bread to remember we're committed to the same thing. Amen. Let's take. After supper, Jesus took the cup when he had given thanks, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is for you. New covenant. Covenant based on better blessings right here. Better promises, better blessings. Jesus, I pray that we would be blessed right now as we partake of this cup, that we would become the pure in heart, that we would see God, that we would lay aside every sin and every everything that entangles us and keeps us from your presence. And let us live in the better part of your promises and the better part of your hope and the better part of your goodness, we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to join me. I'm going to ask you to stand your feet with me and let's join together.
And let's sing this song together as our benediction today. Please don't run out yet. Let's sing this song together.